Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the Middult that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. This podcast has been brought to you by the gut supplement Simprove. Hey everybody, what's your gut feeling? Do you feel sparkly and sassy and raring to go? Or do you feel like a weak old balloon sagging in the corner? If the bounce has been bashed out of you, it might be time to think about your gut. More and more, doctors and scientists everywhere are having that conversation, and increasingly, they are finding that it affects everything. Your gut microbiome is a vast ecosystem with bacteria as diverse as the Amazon rainforest. These bacteria break down food and help your body to detoxify, support the immune system, and can affect energy levels as well as mental health. But along with all the virtuous and hard-working bacteria, who are upstanding members of the gut community, lurk the gangsters. Yeasts, fungi and viruses. So if you're not feeling so hot, those hoodlums could be running all sorts of crime rings inside you. The good news is that research has now shown that composition of the gut microbiome can change if you give it a bit of love. Which is why we are delighted that this podcast is brought to you by the gut supplement Simprove. I swear by Simprove. It just makes me feel bouncier, more optimistic, less flat. Skin, digestion, it's all happening. Simprove is a water-based supplement that comes in three flavours. You knock back a cheeky shot every morning and all those live and active bacteria storm heroically from mouth to gut and start to multiply and produce food to nourish the good bugs, the ones that cheer us up and perk us up. Everybody who knows about this stuff knows that Simprove is the best of its kind. And we have an offer for you, a 50% discount off the first three months of the flexible subscription for UK customers. We did the maths and that means £24.99 a month for the first three months and then £49.99 from the fourth month onwards. The subscription can be cancelled at any time. Go to simprove.com forward slash the midult and the code is capital letters midult50. Simprove for all your gut feelings. Hello everybody, I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine but... Last week, I stubbed my toe. I mean, I'm I'm never not stubbing my toe. I've got no depth perception, particularly when I've got PMT. And I'm clumsy and it makes me angry and it really hurts. I mean, you know, it really... But I stubbed my little toe, my little sort of cashew nut toe. And for the last few days, my little toenail has been trying very hard to fall off. (laughs) And I'm trying to keep my little toenail on by just sheer willpower <laughs> and a disgusting sort of mouldy old plaster that I keep wrapping around it because I just sort of can't face the idea of a toenailless summer and I googled it and apparently toenails can take about 18 months to grow back Bastards. and I don't mind going to the beach with cellulite, hair, tummy, any no- but there's something really <laughs> neglectful and decrepit about being toenailless. I won't be able to have a pedicure. The pedicure is the only thing that makes me feel like I've even vaguely got my shit together. So, you know, here's me. with You can see, can't you, Em? Look at that. Manky old plaster wrapped yes. around my little toe. You might just have to keep the manky plaster for the whole summer. I mean, I sort of thought, could I glue it back on? But I mean, <laughs> you could probably get a fake Someone situation. said to me yesterday, fake toenail. I know it'll be, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be false teeth next. Here we are, faking shit again, as normal. How are you, Em? Well, um, Annabelle, I'm absolutely fine, but you and I went to an exhibition the other day, which I have to brag about because I so rarely get to go to an art gallery, to an exhibition. 
so the fact that we I love went the way you say I so rarely get to go I'm always <laughs> longing I look at these things and I think I wish I had more theatre opera ballet exhibitions oh. in my life but I just don't get to because no, exactly that's a better way that's a defense anyway I don't get to go but we did get to go and it was the uh beyond the streets exhibition at the Saatchi gallery and about so it was halfway like graffiti through, and hip-hop and stuff wasn't it yeah and the 80s and about halfway through we realized you and I that things that we had owned as teenagers like Walkmans and hi-fis were in the museum and then we realised that we are now old enough for things <laughs> from our childhood to actually be in museums. We are antique. <laughs> Basically, we are the certain vintage. <laughs> this is a depressing start, isn't it? Ah, oh, anyway. The shame. Oh, the shame. Anyway. Speaking of which. Yes. Our guest today is a campaigner, a warrior, an author, a one-woman dancing dynamo. Now, her mission? Well, it's to free us from the shame that surrounds us. Body shame, sexual shame, you name it. But Natalie Lee has done the work. You know her on Instagram as Starmy Sunday. Nat, it is fantastic to have you here. How are you? Hello. I am absolutely fine, but I am suffering from heartache at the moment. Ooh. I've had a bust up with a friend. Oh. And, you know, I don't think we talk about friendship, sort of love enough and how utterly devastating it can be to be betrayed. I'm going to be really dramatic here and have all this kind of friendship drama going on. It's been horrendous. And, you know, I didn't realise that friendships are going to be so dramatic um, in my 40s. Mm. I thought I'd gotten rid of all that, but mm. no, apparently not. And we reserve the, the idea of heartbreak for romantic love, don't we? And in fact, friendship love is just as, if not more, heartbreaking. And also, it can, one feels very ashamed to talk about it because you very, very much want, you can say, oh, you know, if you've got a lover, oh, they were the problem, they were a motherfucker, they were commitment phobic. But with a friend, it really shines the light on you and your part in it and whether you are the problem. Oh, Oh, thanks for that, Annabelle. I find. I've <laughs> <laughs> made it so much worse. Oh my god. No, but I feel. Really, I'm so sorry. I feel that. I feel, feel. I think that friendship pain is absolute agony. Particularly as you said, you think of you know at least one thing that we have sort of sorted in our forties is the people that we that we have around us and why we've picked them and why the, the friendships have endured or whatever. And when that's taken away, we feel like, oh my God, here is a, here is a language I don't speak anymore. And it's It awful. really is. It um, really is. And as you say, you know, I, now I'm divorced, I really rely on my friends for quite a lot. And, um, you know, I have some really good friends. And, you know, sometimes when that illusion gets shattered... It is just utterly heartbreaking and devastating. Yeah. So that's where I am. It is. And also, it, it, if it's in a group of friends, it's a bit like a grenade goes off in the yeah. group. So then it gets, poli as well as being heartbreaking, it then gets political. Wow, that's, that's a thing, so yeah. I've had to leave about 30 <laughs> WhatsApp groups that this person is in. I'm literally and just cutting them off dead. Anyone who is a mutual friend of us is, is no longer within my atmosphere. So, yeah. Also, it's impossible not to flounce out of a WhatsApp group. Whenever it says, like, Natalie Lee has left the group... <laughs> 
It's always like you're Miss Piggy and you've trotted out in your high heels and slammed the door behind you. Can I can I tell you that I'm still in so many WhatsApp groups only because I can't bear that Emily McMeekin has left yeah. because I just I can't I just don't want to like make anyone go oh yeah. she left. Okay. I know you just have to press mute. How long for eight hours? One week? Mute forever. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody WhatsApp oh groups. I fucking hate them. That's a whole nother podcast, oh, isn't it? That is, yes. Can I just say one last thing about WhatsApps? When <laughs> you when you delete a message, why is there a notification that the message is deleted? Fucking delete that. I, I don't want them to know about yeah, the message. Absolutely true. I've deleted it for a reason. So our old friend, Natalie Lee, who, um, well, we first became aware of you with your brilliant Instagram feed and at that point it was you were you were early in the body positivity space really weren't you so how did that come about for you oh um good question I think that came about uh I started talking about it after I had children I realized how much I was affected by the changes in my body and I hated it I hated how I looked and how children had changed me forever Mm. I remember being very very down about it looking in the mirror and just crying and then I started talking about it online and actually you know that did help me sort of rationalize my thoughts and you know enable me to see it through a different perspective. It was really, really beneficial to me to start talking and being vulnerable online. It, it helped me a lot. And what was that different perspective? How did you start to come to terms with the, you know, rather than what this new shape was taking away from you, what it was sort of giving you? Hmm. I think, I think the, the new perspective was just, it just kind of, once you start talking about these kind of neuroses I want to say anxieties out loud it kind of makes you put them into perspective and and actually it's not really that bad and also I started to sort of see it through my children's eyes you know what if they were standing in front of the mirror with a body like mine and were completely devastated I would I would challenge that thinking so I think that really helped. It also helped other people just seeing themselves reflected on social media. And I got lots of messages that, you know, helped them sort of accept their stretch marks and the, you know, rolls and lumps and bumps. And that really helped me as well. It's interesting, actually, because you there's two things that, I mean, there's many campaigns that you've run and things that you've shone a light on in your kind of Insta career but two major things that I can remember that have had a really big impact on me one was the use of the word texture when you describe women's bodies and that I feel like you were one of the first to start talking about texture and and this is lines and bumps and lump whatever it is but and you realize that for your whole life as soon as you become a kind of girl interested in fashion or whatever that that texture has been completely digitally removed Mm. in magazines or whatever Mm. and then of course so our images of perfection are never reflected in what we see in the mirror because no bodies are like that I'm not talking about size necessarily but just even skin yeah and I remember thinking God, yeah, no, absolutely. Texture. Isn't that such a great word? Who doesn't want texture? Why do we want a kind of plasticky 
finish smooth yeah well it's just unrealistic isn't it well exactly but also it's so cold isn't it ultimately and actually when you can start to feel proud of what you know like you said what you know the impact of things has had on your life and what they show as opposed to feeling like they have that somehow your body is letting them down it's fantastic and the other Mm. thing is the going braless which I think was like a post, I can't even remember whether it was during COVID. And I just mm. remember li- like going to the park, not wearing a bra and thinking, Ooh. I know this is not so relevant to you, Annabelle. But, and I thought, fuck it, who do I, why am I wearing a bra when I don't want to wear a bra? I, I'm lounging at home without a bra and then I think, oh, I'm going to walk the dog in the park. So I'm going to put a bra on. And then I'm like, why? And I that was you this. too. Seriously. So anyway, there you go. So you're responsible for my bra wanderings around are you still um, bralessly wandering no i've just remembered speaking to you just now and you're talking about it and i was like oh yeah no i've got to take that bra off again mm, you have i mean yeah. i've i've got big boobs you know mine are i don't know what they are at the moment maybe double fg something like that and bras are uncomfortable they're bloody uncomfortable so yeah braless or a bra top that is you know gonna be much more comfortable Because in these circumstances, I think often the discomfort is about us trying to be something to the world rather than being anything to ourselves. Exactly. And you lose quite a lot if you buy into that scam, really, don't you? You're absolutely right. We centre other people's comfort over our own. And that's a real travesty and one that I think we have to keep reminding ourselves, why are we doing this? Who is it serving, you know? And I I remember um, the whole braless post and it was, I would go out without a bra and my nipples would be out. And the problem was, is that people would look. And so then I would feel like, you know, going into my shell. But I'm like, hold on, you know, is that necessary? Does, mm. they're just nipples it's just part of my body mm. why am I ashamed of them why am I hiding them it's their issue if they want to look they can look I think it by I think that all of that stuff is wound into the shame and also to this really disgusting dangerous and toxic she's asking for it narrative I have a Ooh. friend who is 25 25 year old woman um this was three days ago um and I bumped into her and she looked sort of rather shocked and rattled I said, what's going on? And she said, well, I was just going to the gym and I was wearing, you know, gym kit. And off I went. Um, I took a banana with me and I was waiting at the bus stop. And this bloke was really, really staring, really, really staring at me. And I thought it was a bit odd. So I didn't eat my banana. But then he started miming, wanking at me. And I was on the phone to a friend of mine at the time, a man, same age as me. And I said, oh, my God, this has just happened. And my friend, who I was on the phone with, said immediately, what are you wearing? Oh, oh my God. And she went, oh my God. They're in their 20s. And they're in their 20s. And I thought, you know, I sort of thought that that we'd moved on. And she continued the conversation with him later. And he said, I can't believe you're still thinking about this. And I said to her, yeah, of course he is. He hasn't been walking home with his keys between his fingers since he was 12. And then he went, just for argument's sake, which is a fucking stupid phrase anyway, just for argument's sake, I think you should have been wearing a jacket. She was wearing long sleeves, zip-up, gym top, for what it's worth, and leggings down to her ankles. It was a hot day. And she's like, and this is about other people's comfort. She goes, what? So I need to be sweating as I walk to the gym Mm. so that I don't inspire this behaviour in other people. Wow. Depressing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. 
because it makes us feel ashamed. And that, again, you know, that is part of looking in the mirror and realising that your shape has changed or it's not what you have been told all your life it should be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And, and coming to that acceptance is really quite powerful, actually. You know, we don't have to fit into a certain idea that we've got in our heads of how we should look and should act and should walk around the streets with a with a coat on covering up our nipples you know Mm. it's just ridiculous it's ridiculous and the fact that we are still talking about this is infuriating Mm. god it moves slowly doesn't it (laughs) i know one step forwards one and three quarter steps backwards (laughs) Mm. but it's the constant sort of you know, it's this sort of the dual thing where where sort of our bodies are policed by other people, you know, whether it's in ter- you're too thin, you're too big, you're too this, you're bit, whatever, or, and also then the way that we self-police as well. And uh, it means that we walk around, you know, not wearing a coat maybe, but definitely wearing a coat of shame the whole time. Mm. Mm. And freeing ourselves from that is, you know, it's actually incredibly radical, right? Well, your book deals with yeah. a lot of this, doesn't it, doesn't it, Nat? Because, you it know, does. even, even, the, even the title, you know, feeling myself, which, you know, I mean, sometimes it's literal in the book, but a lot of it, it's just, that's really about feeling and connecting to who you are, isn't it? And I think, am I right in thinking that you wrote the book, you'd been doing these campaigns around body body positivity, and then your marriage broke up, and it opened up a whole new world around freeing yourself from shame. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I think when I got divorced, it kind of opened up my sexual world a little bit more. Well, did it? Not, maybe not necessarily. <laughs> Depends on the day. It does. But, you know, I, I, I guess I felt more able to talk about the sexual side now that I was single. You know, we, we do struggle, I think, to speak openly about uncomfortable things if we think it will make somebody else sort of you know, uncomfortable. So anyway. Have you noticed that when you're in a relationship, people would constantly, all the time, really lascivious, how's the sex? How often? What positions? What are you doing? What were you wearing? Where were you? And the moment you've got a ring on your finger, it's rude to ask. So no one really asks about the sex or Mm. about the emotional connection. How is it going in your marriage? Because it feels feels intrusive. But we should probably continue to have those conversations. Gosh, we really should. Yeah. I mean, sex in a long-term marriage is something we all need help with, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I had dinner with a friend of mine the other day and she was a married friend of mine. And she was like, so, you know, let's just talk about who's not having sex, basically, because that just made us feel so much happier. It's like, like, how often are you not having sex? That's what I need to know. Anyway. Yes, I'm having sex less than you. (laughs) So, um... So yes, we probably should, yes. basically, because that can't be good. Yeah. But go on, so freeing yourself from the idea that by talking about your sex life, you're implicating one other person and one other person only, yes. meant that you suddenly found a, a voice around this exploration, is that right? Yeah, and you know, when I was kind of trying to develop my self-awareness and you know, looking within, what I realised is that sex has been very poignant shall I say within my life and it has affected all areas of my life and you know from a very very traumatic experience that happened uh, when I was four 
it was kind of the catalyst for so much of what happened afterwards. I just feel like as women, our sexuality is so policed and controlled and that kind of dumbing down of of something that is so instinctive and natural becomes becomes an illness you know mm. and and if we're not able to talk openly or not able to act openly then i really struggled you know so i just wanted to kind of explore that world explore how being a woman has led to so much shame and often shame that has been imposed upon me that I have then internalised and carried around like a big heavy backpack throughout my whole life. And it was that kind of disrobing of that backpack of shame that was the the book, basically. Mm. And so what sort of measures and methods and journeys did you take in order to get yourself into sort of new and freer territory sexually? I think I went on a, you know, an exploration to develop my self-awareness first. I wanted to figure out why I'd done things, why, why I got with my husband at 16. And, you know, all I could think about was getting him to propose to me and having two children, getting the dog and the house and all that shit. You know, I wanted to understand what what was my motivation and had there been a choice mm. and i very quickly discovered that i didn't feel like there was a choice mm. i felt like there was only one path to go down and i very happily you know took that path and then as i came up to my 40th birthday was like fuck is this it this is what I have to live with for the rest of my life. I need to do something really drastic about this because I'm not happy. He's not happy. My children aren't seeing a good relationship role modelled. So something's got to happen. I think that's really interesting. When you make decisions, you know, maybe because you thought safety was the best option or security or whatever, or, you know, or any of the reasons why we like stay in proximity of patriarchal positions right because we think okay well here we'll be safe from everything else yeah but we know that the threat is out there and so this is good and then well, and they're then, not really our decisions no they're they're not our decisions if exactly. you look back you realize that you think you're forging your path and you're choosing these things and really they've really been if not chosen for you then heavily heavily suggested yeah exactly like this is this is where it's going to be okay and actually i think this is this sort of awakening is happening to 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 so many women that I know yes. and men actually in you know in the forties where you suddenly realise that you've got X amount more time so you've been married for what twenty years and or or however long you know fifteen years and then you're like oh but if I do another fifteen years is this is this is this the way that it's going to be and also you know we were children then yeah do you know what I mean in our early in our late teens early twenties how can those decisions still be relevant. You know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It it was a kind of awakening or midlife crisis, what, however you want to see it. But it was definitely a sort of like, I've got to sort my shit out because I can't <laughs> be doing this for another 20 years. You know, that <laughs> How do, I, make, I, I make it sound terrible. It wasn't terrible. No, that's it, was just, it was just boring, you know. Yeah. I, <laughs> 
And how hard was it, the process of getting yourself out of that life and moving towards a new one? How was it traumatic for you? Did it take a lot out of you or did it feel the whole time you were doing it that it was the right thing to do? It was the hardest thing I've ever done, ever. the, The emotional turmoil that was going on inside me was off the scale. I was... I I felt like I was in purgatory for a good couple of years before I actually made the decision. Um, That indecision is the worst place to be. I was really concerned that I was going to fuck up my children more than I already have. I mean, we all fuck up our children (laughs) at some point. But I mean... You know, I was, <laughs> I didn't want to fuck them up any more than, <laughs> that was a major, major concern for me. And I think the only turning point was when I read um, Glennon Doyle's Untamed and she talked about, is this what you want a role model for your children? Is this the kind of love that you want them to have when they're older? And um so we can we can thank her for my divorce and <laughs> I'm so... sure there's a, I'm sure there are a lot of lot of divorces that can be laid at Glennon's door. Much yeah, I love exactly. that book too. Yeah. So um so yeah that that was it and then and then I sort of started thinking about the the traditional path that we get sort of led down and then I was like actually there's so many more options there like is monogamy for me? Is heterosexuality for me? You know, there's there's so many sort of things that I didn't question before. Mm. And now my mind was just like buzzing with options. <laughs> and that was exciting and terrifying. And yeah, but no, it wasn't easy at all. It was quite a long time coming, but one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to do. And where do you find yourself now as you look back? Are you, is it something that you're, you're glad that you did? Oh, gosh, yeah. I am glad. Well, you know, they're, they're, if I'm being realistic, there are times when you look back with rose-tinted glasses and you're like, actually, everything was really calm and, and boring and safe then. Mm. I knew, you know, that my mortgage was getting paid mm. and I knew that I was going to be sitting in front of the TV that evening. Life is a little bit more tumultuous, I would say now. A little bit more exciting. I feel like I'm in control now, to be honest. I feel like overall, I definitely am happy that I made this decision because I don't, I I think it was, I was slowly dying. Mm. And um, now I feel like the possibilities are endless. And it's almost like a bit of a rebirth. I I know I sound really dramatic right now, but (laughs) it is. It it is like a rebirth. And I feel really excited about my future. It's not that humdrum, like, long-term fucking life sentence that I've got to look forward to. I can do anything and be anyone and go anywhere. And you're in the driving seat for good or for bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love the laugh. Like, just like, yes. Yeah, both, both scary and exciting. But we're sold, we're sold that safety myth, aren't yeah. we? Like, you know, uh, you know, the sort of, you know, that you, at least you will be safe. Or even 
the only thing that you should be aiming for is to be safe and in some way protected. Exactly. And if you're a good girl, you'll be protected. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that is a an adaptive kind of mentality. We are taught to go for what's familiar and what, what does keep us safe. But the essence to me of living is getting out of that safety zone. You know, mm. that, that, that's what keeps me alive anyway. Yes, I mean, you know, nothing beautiful grows on a well-trodden path, they say. But, and also the thing about going for what's familiar is sometimes what we find ourselves doing, you suddenly think, oh my God, I've gone for familiar pain. That's what oh. I've done. And that's early stuff. You're, yeah, I mean, repeating patterns mm. is, is a big thing, isn't it? You know, when I, when I really looked into it, I ended up marrying my mother. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we often do, unfortunately. She was my main caregiver, so there was no one else to... Uh, <laughs> who was, no who one I else was to blame. Marry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And, you know, you know, I had to deal with all of those same issues and problems that I had to deal with growing up. And it was... It, wasn't nice you know and um yeah just kind of really going back to ground zero has been really important to me because I don't want to keep making the same the same choices that I don't want to keep doing the same old shit I always think that that a great triumph is just to make different mistakes because as you (laughs) said we're we're gonna fuck up but if we can make different mistakes from our parents different mistakes from mistakes that we made 10 years ago if our mistakes can just be different then that that is progress yes you're so right (laughs) I bet you have had a lot of feedback about the way that your life has gone and the choices you've made in the last couple of years what have you been hearing from people different people resonate with different things I think the most common response is most women have had some kind of sexual trauma within their lives. And so that's probably what people resonate with most. And I don't know a woman that hasn't got some sort of sexual shame. Um, So they speak to me a lot about that. Sexuality comes up a lot. There's a lot of women out there who are in heterosexual relationships who are desperate to explore and open up their sex lives. So there's a lot of secret conversations around that. <laughs> Love it. Um, secret WhatsApp conversations. Some juicy WhatsApp conversations happening. <laughs> Bloody WhatsApp again. Sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah, secret conversations with a glass of wine. Yeah. And just, yeah, just lots of people who, who kind of said, I could have written that book. I feel very seen within that book. Mm. It, there was, there's a lot that people will resonate with. I mean, you know, even before it always made me laugh and you were really, you were really good and funny and strong about it. Before you started talking and maybe even thinking about sex in this way, Instagram was often deciding that your feed was porn, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> I mean, the slightest hint of flesh and it was like, cancelled. <laughs> oh God, I'm still battling with censorship. What the fuck? Yeah, still. It's still a problem and it's really annoying. Policing women's bodies. Yes, it's another way of policing women's bodies, isn't it? Men are allowed to be absolutely naked to the day they were born, pretty much. Men's nipples can freely roam. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing political about men's nipples, is no. there? <laughs> no, exactly. And the thing is, is when it's, when it's a, a woman's body from a kind of male perspective, sexy, in a bikini, you know, 
that does that tends to slip through the net, which is um, yeah. interesting. Yeah. But when it's when it's any type of body that doesn't fit into the mold, um, it's heavily heavily restricted. Yes, you know, it's like we're not allowed to look at ourselves. You know, it's that old thing, no one will be looking at you, dear. We're not allowed to look at ourselves and make our own judgments. We're here for other people to look at. And make their exactly. judgments. I feel like we're now just descending into fury. Aren't we? <laughs> 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 Happens quicker and quicker these days, she says. Um, but Nat's book is called Feeling Myself. And, it is. And, and, and we urge you to follow Starmy Sunday on Instagram if you don't already. You probably do because she's extremely mm. popular and powerful. But it's fun and it's gorgeous and it's enlightening and, um, and we enjoy it every day. And thank you for coming thank back you. to talk to us. And, and, oh, and, I, and I have no doubt that we'll be asking you to come back again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway. I would love that. Breath of fucking fresh air, Natalie. Absolutely. <laughs> Texture. We'll all be braless again this summer. Not me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Can't do it. Okay. That will be the re- that will be the day the revolution has arrived. <laughs> it's true. Anarchy. Adam has taken her bra off. This podcast was bravely brought to you by the gut supplement Simprove. Get your hands on 50% off the first three months at simprove.com forward slash the midult code midult50. Simprove for all your gut feelings. You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middle. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe.